We wanted to build the greatest mobile phone-based investing platform ever seen, which I happen to think we did. Eight million people have downloaded the Learn app, but in there was the learning library. The problem with an app or the challenge is it can't do too much. If you present an app that does too much, it confuses the user. So we bifurcated, we ripped out the learning library and we created a spin-off app called Learn. We worked with Professor David Raska of Northern Kentucky University and Professor Mark Kane of UCD, who's head of learning psychology there, and Professor Barry Smith of UCD. We worked with some of the greatest experts in learning in the world. Hi there, and welcome to Stock Club, podcast brought to you by My Wall Street. I'm Mike, and joining me in today's episode, we have My Wall Street's chief investor, Emmett Savage. In this episode, we talk about the success of My Wall Street's original shortlist laid out 10 years ago, and have some exciting news to follow on from that. To stay updated, all you need to do is sign up to our mailing list on mywallstreet.com, where you'll hear all about our plans for the next 10 years. Today's podcast is brought to you by Vodafone Business. Now, if you're like us here on my Wall Street, you know running a business is difficult. There are countless things to think about and many often simply get ignored or completely forgotten about. Well, that's where Vodafone Business can help. They've crafted a suite of tools and supports to boost your business's operations and the best part is it's free for everyone. From cybersecurity to harnessing the power of AI, building a website and improving how your teams work remotely, Vodafone Business will help you address the often overlooked but crucial elements for your business's success. To get started today, check out their one-to-one VHub digital support and advice service. You'll find everything you need right there. Find the link in our show notes or simply Google Vodafone VHub for more details. Now, let's get into the episode. Emmett, how are you doing? How are you doing, Mike? How are you this week? I'm good, I'm good. We're recording this on Wednesday, which I feel is a, an interesting time because if NVIDIA tomorrow has a bad, or this tonight has a bad earnings report, I feel like the stock market is going to go on fire. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, the entire market is now following NVIDIA. Yeah, NVIDIA and uh, Super Microcomputer, which has gone up like, I think I think it was a 10, 11 bagger in the space of 2023. Yeah. Is, is it's, it's fallen this week for the first time which seems like ever. So uh, yeah, the, the, the hype around the chips at the minute is, it's it's bubbly. Is that a fair term? It is. And in fact, there's a hypnotic effect when you see a stock that's gone up two, three, four, five, tenfold in the last 12 months, because you're like, I want to hop on that train. Yeah. And you're like, oh, hold on a minute, it just keeps going up. And you're looking in the rearview mirror and you're really trying to make a judgment based on that. And it's a very deceptive uh, an intoxicating kind of effect. You're looking at this chart, like, should I buy now? What's going to happen? You you just have this complete, It's, I suppose it's FOMO of, of, of a type. You're like, everybody else got in on this and I didn't and it's not fair. And you're going to miss a lot of those. And that's just the, the, the journey of stock investing. There's no two ways about it. You're going to see hundreds of investments you should have made when in fact, all you need to do is concentrate on making one or two that you did make and changed your life. And that's really kind of the long-term pursuit. 100%. I think intoxicating is a good way of describing it. Um, but yeah, absolutely. We could sound very foolish now and NVIDIA could blow everyone out of the water and be up 40% yeah. again tomorrow and be the same size as Microsoft. Yeah. With an unhappy founder who wishes he never started the company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who would, who would be, out, he'd be out surfing somewhere, I'd say, if he had his choice. And just for our listeners' benefit, for those who didn't know, the founder of NVIDIA whose name is uh, kind of slips in my mind at the moment. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Went on the record recently and said he wishes he never started the company. When he was asked, I think it was on CNBC, what would you do differently? He said, I I just wouldn't start the company. And they said, haha, very funny, but what would you do differently? And he was like, no, I would not start the company. Uh, It's been 
decades of anguish, toil, <laughs> distress, and pressure. So, like when when the vision of success is speaking like that, it, it, he's not really throwing throwing a rope ladder down to the rest of us who are trying to build something like that. Yeah, that reminds, that reminds me. This is a tangent, but uh, I had a mate uh, in New York covered head to toe in tattoos up to the back of his head and everything else. And uh, I had a friend over and he's kind of a bit of a bumpkin and he was asking, well, what about this one? What about this one? And he just like puts his hand on his arm and he's like, can I give you one bit of advice for the rest of your life? Don't ever get a tattoo. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'd say he just, wow. He was just sick of them at that stage. Um, but anyways, it's incredible. more important things uh, at hand, Emmett. It's a big week, month, year uh, celebrating at my Wall Street. We have a birthday. We do. We're going to be 10 years old very, very soon, like in a matter of weeks. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm i still waiting for the party invite. I don't know if we're getting a cake or what, yeah. but uh, I, I presume in those 10 years, you picked up some interesting stories along the way. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely having a cake. The invite's in the post, Mike. You did make the cut. Okay, I hope so. <laughs> well, yeah, well, there definitely, there's been some amazing stories over 10 years. And I think any entrepreneur who starts something, like incredible events are unavoidable. They just are because you're in a dinghy. I always think about starting a business. Uh, it's like going to ocean in a dinghy. And you know that the giant battleships are out there. And they're just going to cruise through the ocean with no trouble. But you've started something and you're rowing into the ocean. But um, the stories I've built up range from like banal to beyond belief. Really beyond belief. If I told some of the stories that I've built up, people go, no, 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 he's he's pumping that story up as you know uh you know you've been on the journey with us for years mike and and you know that's just stuff happens but when i think about it in the simplest form there's two types of entrepreneurial businesses companies that are started from the ground up when the entrepreneur has identified an untapped need or opportunity and then companies that are started from the ground up where the entrepreneur has identified an untapped need or opportunity in an area where they are especially passionate now like all entrepreneurs end up passionate or most entrepreneurs end up passionate about their business but it's where you start do you just start from a place of belief and passion or do you just start from a place where you see an opportunity and you go after it and and uh and they're not mutually exclusive but definitely they have different paths but you have to like for example suspect that somebody who starts a business in plastic carrier bags for example comes from the former category they see an opportunity and then the person who starts a chain of gyms, for example, that for people who require rehab is coming from a place where there's probably an experience or a belief or they've seen something or experienced something and know that this is an untapped need uh, that could change people's lives. And they're equally valid and they're important routes, of course. But like for a real example of a passion-based business, there's a guy who started, well, actually, I won't say what he started. Doug Otto started the a company in Australia in 1970 because he identified a gap in the market for high quality, durable sandals for surfers. And and one of the, the, the problems that surfers had there on the beach in Bondi Beach in Australia in the 70s when it got out was their, their feet were a bit cold. And he was an absolute surfing addict and he loved footwear and he wanted to spend his life on the beach and make feet happy. So now 50 years on or whatever it is, Oak boots are known everywhere. And that's a great example of a, a business founded with a passion and an interest in an area that happened to identify that big yeah. opportunity. And not and only commercial. not only oak boots now; it's uh, the Hocus. You know those running shoes. Tiva, Tiva is there? Is this yeah, they have they have Tiva? some very interesting. Sorry, the company we're talking about is Deckers, by the way, and it's 
Decker's Outdoor, correct. Yeah, it's one, yeah, of, uh, one of those it's really kind of succinct, surprising success stories, we say. Like, just looking at Uggs alone, Uggs is a ridiculous yeah. business. And it's Ticker's deck. And I was a shareholder years and years and years and years ago. And, like, so all my worst decisions were sales. Like, I was a shareholder in Lululemon, uh, I'd say, about three weeks after it floated. And it was something similar with Decker's Outdoor. And uh, anyway, look, uh, that's another. I'll, 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 moan about, I'll moan about all my, my mistakes on another podcast again. But anyway, my Wall Street, getting back to my Wall Street, it was founded, as most of our listeners know, by John Tyrrell and myself, um, with no more than a burning passion for stock investing and the uplifting power of education. And like everyone in John's life is and was a teacher to this day. And, and despite being an engineer himself, uh, education is something that he's lived and loved and observed from the minute he was born, really. And, and on, on the other hand, I've spent, I had up to that point when we started my Wall Street, spent more or less every day for uh, probably 16 or 17 years looking at the stock market and investing, uh, despite having studied the physical sciences. So he was he was an engineer and I was a physicist, but like he, he was into education and I was into stock investing and we identified in each other very complementary strengths. Um, uh, John is an incredible propensity for detail and I would have brought to the table kind of, I suppose, a, bi- a big picture. So I was keen on getting the world investing successfully and John was very much strong and is to this day strong and figuring out what we need to do to get there and lots of other complementary strengths. So we started 10 years ago with a mission to get the world investing successfully. Yeah, and you touched on education there. I think the Learn app is a great example of that. And when we talk about the world investing successfully, like how how far that's reached in since its since its inception. Yeah, it's amazing because you, you when you build a business like ours, you put a lot of different products into the market and People will tell you what's valued. The world will tell you what's valued. And I think a lot of, for example, app designers will say, look, we don't really need to work too hard on on identifying the features that matter the most because the features that are used are the ones that people want, which reminds me of the Twitter story. And to just completely butcher the story, um, it was founded Jack Dorsey and crew, and they, they just, they... They couldn't make it work and they just left it alone and abandoned ship. And and, and one day, one of the guys, probably Jack, Jack Dorsey, went in to decommission and switch off all the servers only to notice that the messaging portion of the Twitter um, application, web application, was growing faster and faster and faster. And that was the birth of Twitter. And and to, a, I suppose, slightly analogous is we we built this Learn app that you mentioned. And, and uh, well, actually, our very, very first app had everything squashed in there. We wanted to build the greatest uh, mobile phone-based investing platform ever seen, which I happen to think we did, and I'll come back to that. But, but in there was the learning library. But the problem with an app or the challenge is it can't do too much. If you present an app that does too much, it confuses the user. So we bifurcated, we ripped out the learning library and we created a spin-off app called Learn. Um, and there's so many different parts of the story. We, we, we worked with uh, Professor David Raska of Northern Kentucky University and Professor Mark Kane of UCD, who was head of learning psychology there, and Professor Barry Smith of UCD. We worked with some of the greatest experts in learning in the world to make sure we delivered something that just got people to invest. Because a bit like Duolingo, Duolingo kind of breadcrumbs you along with all these 
uh, you know, keep your streak and just do this and just do that and brings people through the much, 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 much longer journey of learning a new language when compared to learning how to invest in the stock market. But we built this app. We put it out there. We never asked for people to give, to pay a penny for it. Uh, actually, that's not quite true. I'll, I'll come back to that. But but to this day now, 8 million users, 8 million people have downloaded the Learn app, um, not on the same day, it has to be said, not even in the same month. But uh, it's something we're very proud of. Uh, and and it's, it's a wonderful product. It, it has hundreds of thousands of reviews that all together rank at 4.9 out of 5. And and that's just, that's something we're very, very proud of. When you add up all the different app stores and they're all partitioned and uh, all the reviews online and in the different app stores across iOS and Android, it's it's a loved, loved product and and downloaded in the thousands every month, as you well know, to this very day. Did I ever tell you the story about Michelle? on Stock Club about Learn? I Definitely not on Stock Club anyways, if you want to. Well, okay, so let me give you that story. About eight years ago, um, John, my co-founder, got an email from um, a young woman in the Philippines called Michelle. And she just sent an email to him to thank thank him if you if you please for the <laughs> for the Learn app because she came from a very very low socioeconomic background. The only place where she could use Wi-Fi was on the bus, which is uh, unusual if you if you understand telecoms, but they had a free Wi-Fi hotspot on the bus and she got a free phone from, uh, from a charitable organization and she found her app, she downloaded it and she consumed the whole of the Learn app to the very end, uh, which is quite an amount of content. It's like a small book, but it's appified in a way that you just keep going and you don't realize how much, how far into it you've gone. So she consumed the entire Learn app and she opened a stock brokerage account and deposited $5 and made her first stock investment. And, and um, she was the first person she ever heard of um, uh, or ever knew who invested or, or she she had never heard of anyone who had invested in the stock market or in anything for that matter and and she kind of explained it in a way to john where the two of us were sat beside each other reading this email and like we just quietly read it, the way she expressed herself and the way she expressed her thanks and we just kind of looked at each other. And it's one of my favorite moments in my Wall Street's history. It was a total goosebumps moment for us that we knew uh, something we did had moved, had changed, you know, the financial outcome of somebody, like or changed the financial understanding of somebody. It was complete, as I said, complete goosebumps mo- moment for us. And there's many more stories. I mean, there's not too many stories about the Learn app, but I'll tell you another one. W- one of the things, and it kind of leans into our now retired Invest app, is that um, nothing beats free in the world of, of apps. And and for a while, when we were getting about 60,000 downloads of Learn uh, a month. And we were like, you know something, we have a full pride and an empty pocket. This business is spending money like a steam train shoveling cash into a, into the engine. It just was is was a very, very expensive business to run. Business consumer is notoriously expensive. So we said, let's just charge a dollar for this app. 60,000 people love it. We charged a book for that app and the downloads fell from 60,000 a month to 3,000. Um, 95% drop off when you ask for $1 in what Apple said was the the most loved investing um, education app in the world. Yeah. So we lost 95% for one 
dollar. So we removed it. We got rid of the dollar because we thought, look, there's no point in standing in the way for the sake of like 3,000 bucks a month. It's just, uh, it's not going to fulfill our mission. I mean, we, we wrote a crazy BHAG, which was to create a billion successful in new investors, which I know is crackers. Like I do know that that's crack, but a BHAG is generally crackers. A big, hairy, audacious goal is generally crackers. And it, it's meant to express something that's it might happen 100 years after you're dead. So like our BHAG is to create a billion successful investors. And we have made decisions that in the moment look insane. But we are focused on the the very, very long-term horizon for stock investors. We talk about, we only talk about the long-term and think about the long-term. And that relieves us from the stress of, of day-to-day news, which makes for a good conversation. And we jump on the mic here every week, Mike, and we have a good chat about the news. But in reality, the greatest investors, when they bought Lululemon a few weeks after it went uh, to IPO, sat on it. For those who bought Deckers Outdoors in 1997, June 97, sat on them. You know, like, and that's, uh, and, and that, uh, but anyway, that's, that's kind of uh, in our DNA, the long term. Yeah. Long-term yeah. investing, and that was our, one of my favorite stories. Absolutely, and it's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? Like the more you keep up with news and podcasts and investing content and all the rest, it almost could deteriorate your investing skill because it gives you excuses to sell. When if you still believe in the company, just set it and forget it. The coffee can portfolio. Um, but let's dive into the Invest app or Invest 1.0 because it's gone through how many different iterations since then. And the, probably the most important part of it was this short list of stocks. And it, you're right. I mean, so for our, some of our long-term listeners and customers will remember this product. And it was really, really beautiful. And some of the most famous people in the world downloaded it. But I always feel a bit like in, in the Catholic religion, a priest isn't meant to talk about what they heard similarly uh, you're not meant to really say who was your customer, but I was knocked sideways, starstruck with some of the people who downloaded it and, and became customers and opened a brokerage account. And um, and so brokerage, what we did with that product was mixed oil and water up until that point, um, putting brokerage capabilities beside stock market advice was something that hadn't been done. Um, and, and so we brought together into one place state-of-the-art brokerage capabilities completely free of charge and layered on top, as you said, this short list of stocks that we identified as great long-term investments. And it was actually that part that, as you said, was actually the product that changed, that most changed lives. And as it happens, um, as I mentioned with the Learn app, everybody's moved away from paying apps. We just like 99% of our users, the apps that they use 99% of the time are completely free of charge. We just don't do it anymore. People don't pay for apps. And that was the rock uh, that product Invest 1.0 punished on. It was, it was a wildly expensive product to build and maintain. When you're carrying the cost of people's brokerage activities on your shoulders as a business, it's a fast track to disaster. So, so, but what really, really, when we look through the last 10 years at the things we did well and the things we didn't do so well, that first list of 36 stocks was uh, 10 years ago that we published undoubtedly changed lives. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's dive into them a bit. Um, 
you have the you have the stats up there, do you? Of kind of the performance. You're right, because uh, yeah, and I mean those original 36 stocks. Uh, uh, well, I was going to say, as you remember, you wouldn't remember. We researched these to the nth degree, and uh, and there was the royal we. It was me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I had bought them with the family and uh, from my with my family's savings, and and we have a still have a dashboard here, and so there was 36 in in the first uh, invest. Uh, 1.0 our first product out the door of which since six of six of the 36 have been acquired um and therefore not publicly traded and and four of those six were quite a quite a premium but uh, when i look at how they are right now this minute uh, 16 of the initial 30 doubled in value which is known as two baggers uh 12 of the initial 30 increased by over 200 percent okay so well over a third were three baggers. They multiplied the money by threefold. Eleven of the initial thirty increased fourfold, known as four baggers. Nine of the initial thirty. So, if I may say, one third of the initial thirty increased by four hundred percent, which is known as five baggers, because they increased fivefold in value. And two of the initial thirty increased by over 900%, which is the key number because that's a ten bagger. Your money has multiplied by tenfold when the stock is up 900%. And that, I believe, is the most uh, powerful and exclusively successful shortlist of stocks that I can ever find published uh, out there. Absolutely. And what I find really interesting, and it kind of builds on this ethos of a stock picker, is you have one 10-bagger out of well you two two ten baggers would say out of a group of 30 mm-hmm. you know to lose money you'd have to have you couldn't you actually couldn't say is that you couldn't lose money is what i'm saying is in the in the sense that you'd have to have 10 stocks go to a complete zero and they would only yeah. they would only make up for w- one 10 bagger would cancel all that out that's right well actually so if you were to put a grand into all 36 sorry 100 euro into all 36 right now today uh th- that folio uh, is up a total of three hundred and twelve percent. So that's a pretty good day out. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, or a good decade out. Yeah, and I, and that's what I mean. When you invest, the most you can lose is your original investment. But yeah, there, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's completely it's not a what you can gain this is true correct there's no ceiling there's no limit on the upside the limit on the downside is what you invested and that's why we avoid options we won't go there but that's you're absolutely right it's not it's a uh, it's not a, a two it's it, it, like it's a what do we call it? it's an asymmetric bet asymmetrical bet yeah 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 asymmetrical bet yeah exactly so you've a hundred percent uh potential down and no 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 limit on the potential up okay i'm gonna ask you what your favorite pick of the bunch is but first uh it's your Mm. last chance to enter uh the vodafone business competition which is bringing your business to the big screen so vodafone is partners with the irish rugby team and they're giving their vodafone business customers uh the exclusive opportunity to be featured on the led screens in the aviva stadium during the ireland versus scotland match on the 16th of march this competition also includes tickets for you to come along and enjoy the match so it's worth entering for that alone i think if you're a business owner or not someone who love this opportunity the link to enter is in our show notes and entries close uh on the 23rd of february which is tomorrow so your last chance to get in uh okay so emmett out of that group of 36 well 30 stocks you said six weren't uh, six were acquired. 
Give me your favorite. Okay, well, for our listeners' pleasure, I'm just going to rattle through some some of the names. Not all of them. There was Disney, which since we published is up only 29%, to my surprise. Coca-Cola is up 40%. Starbucks up 138%. Nice. Uh, the big winners are like Microsoft, which has been a 10-bagger. MasterCard, a 6-bagger. Berkshire, three-bagger. The biggest winner was Tesla. And you might go, Tesla, come on, give me a break. But I can tell you, 10 years ago, not many people were thinking about investing in Tesla. That's been an absolute face melter of an investment. Some of the ones that didn't go great, I was surprised at Ford. 10 years later, Ford is down 28.53% on our dash. And, And that's, I suppose, no surprise to those who follow the motor industry's trials and tribulations. And probably when you put it right beside the fact that Tesla's up 1,151% since we advise people buy it. You can kind of see it's the tail of the motor industry. Um, Tapestry is up 34%. What's tapestry? You tell me, man. Hold on a minute. No, that's a business that's been renamed. Oh, God, can you believe? Um, And then uh, Intuit is a very interesting example of uh, a real dull, boring business that is as relevant today as it's ever been. And it has products like QuickBooks and makes accountancy fun for business owners. Um, I think it's, uh, it's and we had one a new- of the top lobbyists in Washington as well into it. Is that a fact? Yeah. How did you know that, Mike? That's quite interesting. Yeah, because uh, because they're, I, I suppose, uh, capitalizing on... You follow lobbying. <laughs> you have a lobby. It's, they're capitalizing on quite a antiquated system in terms of the self-filing tax system in america so oh yeah yeah bring it on so anyway what's just oh my favorite so i'm gonna it's it's no easy call because this list is now 10 years old and a lot of these businesses have matured and i know what type of investor i am but i'd go for netflix we we can dive into like hyper recent news with Netflix and say, and I like it because they added 13 million subscribers in the fourth quarter, our revenue rose 12 and a half percent, blah, 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 blah. But, but we need to stand back when we look at investment and ask a simple question, which is in 10 years from now, will this business be far bigger, a bit bigger, the same or smaller? That kind of that's pretty just four directions and a bit bigger is, is good enough for a lot of people. And, and, and I, I, I would propose that for early stage investors, it's easier to pick a list of businesses that are likely to be a bit bigger and they should stick those at the, the bedrock of their portfolio. But, but I, I am a huge fan of Netflix um, and, and anyone who's ever bet against its founder, Reed Hastings or its current CEO, Ted Sarandos, they got it wrong. Like there's always been a bet like Disney plus Mears Prime Mears YouTube uh, is a is a good one. I'll give it that. <laughs> but uh, but Netflix is the kingpin like it is the kingpin. And I think if you started to shave uh, pair down uh, all of your subscriptions, I feel that Netflix and the visuals is the analogous to your subscription with Spotify. It stays at the core of your entertainment. And those other ones are a little more discretionary. I got an email the other day from Disney plus. Uh, saying, hey, guess what? Good news, we're hiking our prices 100 to 220 euro <laughs> in March. And, and I was like, me arse, I'm going to cancel that. Um, until one of my family objected, of course, because it's not it's not a, a functioning family no. until you've subscribed to everything going and you're broke. Yeah. But and anyway, it's, demo- uh, yeah, it's so democracy is- and cancelling as well. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so that's it. I'd pick Netflix from that list of 30 that still survive 
What about you? Um, I don't know if it's my favorite stock, but I think one the one with maybe the most interesting story might be Chipotle down there at the bottom. So yeah, up about yeah. uh, fourfold since picked in 2015 yeah. and up 330.73 percent to be exact, folks. Yeah. But there you have it. Let's not get too deep. <laughs> but uh, when I talk about Chipotle, I always go back to the conversation we had uh, last November with Bill Mann. And he basically said the problem with uh, modeling and discount of cash flows and all the rest is that if you brought a DCF that said Chipotle would grow free cash flow at 20% for the next 20 years, you'd get laughed out of every investing yeah. house yeah. on Wall Street. Yeah, And yet it did. And I think that's why individual investors have this advantage is because you look at Chipotle and say, mm. sell burritos, they're tasty, whatever. They went through an E. coli scare. The stock absolutely plummeted. Yeah. And yet it bounced back. And yeah. like, if you have the stomach, and that's an appropriate term, if you have the stomach strong enough for it and just held yeah. through all of this and didn't worry about it and just say, oh, yeah, Chipotle, this year, why would I sell that? I have no need to sell. You'd be sitting on huge, huge gains. And it, it's really an example of why individual investors have advantages over institutional yeah. investors. And you're dead right, because the one thing that that list that we first published did is it just exists. We can now look at it and go, well, how, what has 10 years done mm. to this? And it doesn't list? tell and any of the story we, in between is the big one. That's, and that's the thing. This is almost circling back to the opener where like news is a distraction because we're intelligent creatures and we're trying to assimilate what we just heard. And it's like, oh, I can't believe that. Like Jack in the Box, do you know the... The food place Jack in the Box. I've never been to a Jack in the Box, but Jack in the Box, a couple of its customers died. Really? Or diners, I should say, Jeez. died, as far as I know. Um, in terms of condition supply, folks, uh, what I'm saying might not be 100%, but do check Google. I'm nearly, I'm 90% certain that a handful of Jack in the Box customers died from a very, um, a very, very bad dose of E. coli or food poisoning or whatever it is. And, you know, people still went, you know, well, you can't beat a good Jack in the Box burger. They're pretty delish. Does Jack in the Box do burgers? I don't even know what they do. Yeah, I think but they're I do like know what of, they did. Yeah, <laughs> Wendy's McDonald's kind of vibe. Right. So, I mean, uh, food food chains, they, well, every type of business has hazards. I mean, food safety and, and, and nutrition is obviously top of the pile for, for food places. But um, you're right, Chipotle has had it's had serious speed bumps and its founder, Steve Ells, he was a, a great founder. He was a, a really well-regarded chef and, and had a nice style on television, but I think a bit like um, founding CEOs, uh, they don't necessarily always make for the long term um, to be the, the media person. And I think for whatever reason, Steve Ells was just kind of better off kept in the labs to make nice food. And, and Chipotle is a wonderful business. It's, it was a very original concept yeah. when, when it IPO'd. I remember uh, I've been an investor since then till today yeah, as it happens. Helps. And, and I kind of, yeah, and it's kind of like the production line, uh, a production line. The concept, if you're describing it to someone from Ireland, because frankly they're not even here yet, is it's a bit like Subway, but with uh, Mexican food. And, yeah, well, uh, I guess you can argue my supremacy. They're not here, but if you've ever been to a Chipotle in a Tolteca, you'd be ringing trademark offices. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they must have copied everything. This is true. 
yeah. on the same color and the logo yeah, is very yeah. similar in all the rest. Um, but yeah, so look, Chipotle, I, I agree. I think it's a fabulous business. And I still think to this day, it's a fabulous investment for, I mean, is it going to survive for the next 20 years? Probably. Is it going, so it's back to our question, is it going to be way bigger, a bit bigger, flatter down? I'd say it's going to be a bit bigger. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I can't see it slowing down. I suppose valuation compression mm. could come into it, but again, not a huge concern. But uh, I like... Look, the Greenfield opportunity in Ireland, there's a lot yeah. of people who are waiting for a chipotle burrito over here. Yeah. Uh, I like how this just turned into a bit of a humble brag about your portfolio as well, where you're talking about your Netflix investments. <laughs> oh man, if you want Chipotle's to be, well, my humble brag... My humble brag is I sold Mercado Libre. I took six grand off the table. It's now worth about 600,000 euro, the, the, the stock that I sold. Uh, Lululemon took about three, 7,000 off the table. It's now probably worth well over 100 grand. Uh, like I am the king of selling too. Well, I used to be the king of selling too soon. Now I'm the king of saying, buy it, set it, forget it. Yeah. Like I've learned... And too many times, like I'm a slow learner, the don't sell lesson has beaten me up over and over and over. And when I mine through every single investment I've made over 26 years of online trading, uh, trading uh, I can tell you that the majority of best decisions and biggest mistakes were in the first 10 years because the best decisions were the ones I didn't sell and the biggest mistakes were the ones I did. And that's why we say to our listeners and we say to the world, buy a a basket of businesses that you believe to be quality today. And if there's news tomorrow that says, oh, ABC Corp has accidentally killed 15 of its customers and it has a new competitor in Apple and da 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 da, -da don't let the news drag you down. Well, it might be relevant, it might be correct. Overreact either. If they start murdering their customers, it might be, <laughs> it might be an adverse <laughs> yeah, no, event. I, I guess I'm exaggerating. <laughs> You're right. No, I'm exaggerating for emphasis. What I'm saying is that like it, the news should, like uh, on a day, in your investment life, buy a basket of quality businesses. Some will work out, some will not work out. But it will often surprise you the ones that did work out. Because when you sell, you're like, you've lost all faith. You're like, this crock of, you know what, is just no use. It's going nowhere. But it's, it just abstract yourself or uh, remove yourself from the from the daily stream of news. It's going to, you turn on, it's CNBC. It's streaming 24-7, 365. You will get news handed to you on your lap of something you bought last week, you know, always and and that's a very distracting uh distracting effect because as i said we're intelligent creatures that need and want to assimilate what we just heard into an action yeah absolutely so with that attitude in mind and i think what a lot of people come to this show for is is we've seen that success in the last 10 years and yeah. you've enjoyed a lot of it in your own personal portfolio so looking for the next 10 years what stocks from you know the six thousand or so that are listed in america should we buy and hold now and 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 eschew this this attitude of let my timeline be my advantage, I suppose? Well, as you know, the two of us plus uh, several other uh, analysts have been working very, very hard to recreate what we did 30, 36 years ago, 30, 10 years ago with 36 stocks. And, and I suppose the answer to that question, Mike, is going to be shot from a cannon out of the My Wall Street offices next Tuesday, which is February 26th. And it is a pivotal milestone from my Wall Street's journey. And I know this list of 10 is something we'll be talking about on Stock Club in 2034. If podcasts are still a thing, if Mike and Emmett are still a thing, we will be talking about this 10 
in 10 years. And so we have shortlisted 10 stocks for 10 years, as you well know, and, and there's been so much debate and research just to select 10. And I think we're looking now, is uh, what we're looking at now is a really tight shortlist of companies, all of which can be bought with more or less any stockbroker, all of which I think will increase in value over the next decade. Uh, almost all of which I think will be known to everyone, with probably two two exceptions. People go, mm, what's this? And I think those two are, are, are have some giant, giant, huge growth ahead of them. Um, so those kind of new names, to me, look like Tesla did to us 10 years ago. Um, and I, I don't want to call them moonshots because they're well-established, profitable businesses growing like crazy, but they're not, you know, if you went to your granny and said, hey, have you heard of ABC Corp date? She would say, no, I never heard of that, but she will have heard of the other ones. Um, and I, I, anyway, look, at that time, when we picked our first list of stocks, Tesla was only kind of known to a percentage of Americans, and now it's known by everybody across the world. What we're trying to do is find a few of those into this list for our first list of 10. So, um, so what was the question? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the question, the answer, the answer was just put your email into mywallstreet.com because you will get access to the answer to that question uh, by doing so all right we'll finish on that one so um thanks everyone for listening and if you want more information just stick your email in on mywallstreet.com emmet thank you very much for joining me as always remember if you have any questions you like answer or elevated pitches you'd like to tackle make sure to get in touch on twitter at mywallstreethq or tiktok at mywallstreet or somebody just email us a pod at mywallstreet.com if you're new to the show make sure to tell your friends about us uh leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on and that's it. We'll talk to you next week. Podcast brought to you by Vodafone Business. Now, if you're like us here on my Wall Street, you know running a business is difficult. There are countless things to think about and many often simply get ignored or completely forgotten about. Well, that's where Vodafone Business can help. They've crafted a suite of tools and supports to boost your business's operations. And the best part is it's free for everyone. From cybersecurity to harnessing the power of AI, building a website and improving how your teams work remotely, Vodafone Business will help you address the often overlooked but crucial elements for your business's success. To get started today, check out their one-to-one VHub digital support and advice service. You'll find everything you need right there. Find the link in our show notes or simply Google Vodafone VHub for more details. Mm-hmm.